Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Rich Podcast. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Good evening, Windy. And our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. I do. I'm going to say it again, Nathan. What the fuck was Poch thinking? <laughs> uh, I am not sure. I'm not sure. I um, When the team news came out, I, I tweeted that I was concerned about um, the, the lineup that we put out. And I got a lot of replies saying, it's just Newcastle. It's only Newcastle. We're blowing Newcastle away. It's not a problem. Uh, and to be fair to those people, they did then come back. A lot of them and say, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, we, we did talk about how poor a game Ericsson had against City. Um, but I don't think that that is grounds for then dropping him. Now, obviously, that's not the full story. Obviously, there's like, and we don't really know the full extent of the situation because we're not there. We don't know what Ericsson is behaving like in training. We don't understand how that's affected the relationship between the two of them. But in my mind, if he, if you can bring Ericsson off the bench, then you can start Ericsson. And if you're going to play a low block side, you've got to play Ericsson. Yeah. Otherwise, like, what are you doing? What's the point? Well, the thing that struck me is we played the midfield, which didn't really work last season, but without the one thing that sort of made it almost work, which was Ericsson. I, I wasn't too worried about that midfield because essentially Newcastle just surrendered that entire zone of the pitch. Um yeah, <laughs> we we could have moved it even better from midfield into attack, but but basically we had control of that area and we circulated the ball from that area. But we needed that player to to unlock the defence. That was that was it. That's the whole story of the game. Do you agree, buddy? Yeah, it was Pochettino trying to fix today's problems with yesterday's team, and I, I just think there's certain combinations at the moment that, that don't work. And we we should have won the game, but we didn't, and it. It's, it's, it's disappointing for those reasons. And it, Pochettino, for the first time in my life, we were the first time in my first time for a while under Pochettino, I'm starting to doubt him and I'm starting to think, what is he doing? I, I can't, can't understand his, his thinking regarding the team and the performance. I think that's a pretty reasonable stance given the sort of fairly long period where 
of, of lack of form and lack of good performances aside from Champions League matches really um, and in this particular game we had 80% possession 80% possession which is it must be one of the highest ever um, ones one, one of the most one-sided games ever where a team's lost I would have thought um, so up there. 80% possession I... 17 shots two shots on target and that is appalling two shots on target um, and an XG of 1.26. I, I don't think that possession and loss that has happened in maybe two or three years. I think the last time a team with that much possession lost, it was Liverpool against Burnley a few years ago. Then that was the last time it was this kind of um, skewed and this team lost. Interesting. And we had lots of questions, as you'd imagine, about individual players. Everyone's trying to blame someone for, for this performance. Um, so Scott Pick 6 uh, said, Why does Soko start when he provides nothing of value to the team? Will Endombele replied, You mean Lamella, right? Uh, <laughs> and then Matt Jones said, Why is Winks like Marmite? Is he the same player that reignited our midfield in 16-17? And I've got a bit of a take on, on all of this in that we know what all three of these players do, and yet the roles we were giving them in this game weren't appropriate to what they do. So Winks is a recycler of the ball. He picks up the pieces, he moves it quickly, he starts things again. Uh, Sissoko is a transition player. He he picks up on lost causes and he tries to make them into something by charging forward. Lamella will try and play off uh, a platform, so he'll link with other midfielders and he'll try and create through quick pass-and-move football. But we didn't have... None of them were playing a role that suited this particular game. We had Winks essentially being asked to create from deep, and that's not good. He, he, he just doesn't do that. He was, play, he was essentially asked to do stuff that Ericsson would normally do. Sissoko had no space to run into, so was completely negated. And Lamella, okay, he, he, he tried to make things happen, and lots didn't come off. So I, I would say he's the closest to being a reasonable pick. But he had no one to, to play off because... None of the other players were making the kinds of movements that he would benefit from. Um, and ultimately, we failed as a result. And that's why we had 80% possession and only two shots on target. Um, let's talk a little bit about what Newcastle did, though. Because this wasn't just about Spurs failing. Newcastle, they kind of uh, they sucker punched us. Um, Bardi, what did you make of that goal? From where, from where I was, it, it looked slow. It looked like there was no danger, that there was no problem on the ball. And perhaps that's, that, that was reflected in the way we pressed Atsu. And it, it's just proper spurs that Atsu didn't even start the game. He came on and Atsu was once upon a time this young, wonderful talent that could have been something. Instead, now he's a Newcastle substitute who comes on and decides to do his first thing in football for half a decade. And it's, <laughs> it's against Tottenham. And, I um, like Atsu. I, 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 I like Datsu as well back in the day. But, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he's been nobody for, for a while now. And um, I don't, there was just no press on him. No, no press on him. And if, if I'd been Atsu, I reckon I could have picked out Joe Linton with that ball. And it, it, it's just a systemic problem with Tottenham that there was no kind of drive to our play. And, you know, that was it. It was sloppy. And we gave them maybe two opportunities in that game. Both of them were really sloppy. And then that's all they needed. After that, they just packed all the spaces. Kind of like what we tried to do to Manchester City, but we were unable to. They had the discipline and they had the luck. And we missed two really good chances and they, they held on. And credit to them. I think I still think they'll get relegated because they're not going to come up against a Tottenham who's willing to, to hold the ball for 80% of the time. So I hope they get relegated. I never see him again. But <laughs> it, it was sloppy and it, and, it, and it hurt that goal. It did. It did. It was uh, painful to watch. And, you know, you, you've highlighted the lack of press and then the defensive response to that was really disappointed when 
disappointing with Sanchez relying on um, Rose to pick up Jolinton and then Rose not picking up Jolinton. So just a complete mix up and miscommunication between those two. Um, And I think that is symptomatic of a lot of what we've seen this season. So we've been quite weak on that left side of our defence with either so so I think Toby played there in the first game Sanchez in the second two and um, Rose at left back who I've been quite critical of and I thought had another pretty bad game Um, and actually it was worth noting that we only had two attacking options on the bench meaning that our final sub was to bring on Ben Davies for Rose and I wondered whether that might be because he's thinking of playing Davies against Arsenal and and wanted to get some um, some freshness back into his legs perhaps. Um, Nathan how worried about this going forward are you? Specifically about Rose or about, about this, yeah, about this, this performance, this this thing we're seeing at the um, moment from Spurs. Well, specifically defending, like I'm, I'm not, and I said this about the Villa goal. I'm not entirely worried about conceding a decent chance over the course of 90 minutes. Yeah, Tosoko should have pressed Atsu more aggressively. Um, Sanchez's positioning was poor. Maybe Rose's was as well, but he's five foot six, so maybe what he can he do with Linton? I don't know. Um, but like, you can concede. A chance a game if you score four at the other end for me for me that's the problem um and i i think that i i tweeted about this i i think that it, it's very plausible that we will overcome our attacking deficiencies over the next couple of months whether that is because ericsson stays and we make use of him or whether that's because we bring to Lacelso as his replacement and i have said before and i also get i do think that Lacelso will be something of a downgrade on ericsson in in terms of of churning out the chances um but he will certainly be a lot better than than playing two wingers and just trying to cross the ball into a box with 20 players you know over and over again for 90 minutes let's talk about that briefly because uh you you tweeted before the game and i responded uh, about son and lucas being on the pitch at the same time and we we subsequently had lots of comments and you had a couple of dms about it um why do you only want one of them on the pitch at any one point Firstly, that's not like a hard rule. Like, uh, uh, certainly, you're going to close out games occasionally with both those players, and like there are certain circumstances and certain formations where, like, I'm not saying that you're guaranteed to lose with both on the pitch, but I think generally these are players with quite similar skill sets who are either going to play up top or out wide, and their skills are in that they are fast runners, they have good close control, and they're good finishers. Right, that's applicable for both of those players, and I think that. The way that we um, look to provide width generally, regardless of formation, um, or maybe not so much the case when we play back three, but generally we're playing with a winger on one side and our fullback on the other, right? And, and we'll switch it around, we'll move it around, but but we want width from one attacking player and one fullback, right? If you're doing that, if you've got two, if you've got Son and Lucas on the pitch, they're both hugging the touchline a lot of the time, or they're trying to be a striker all the time. It just it makes a mess of it and it's also taken away a place from a uh, more of a passing focused player <laughs> like Ericsson who would have done us done us more good there I, I'm I'm not happy with how I've explained that but um no 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 I think I'm I'm with you and I think part of the problem was essentially Lucas played up front in the space that you would want Harry Kane to be taking up and that's because we only play with one wig and wide at any one point and so Lucas is playing through the middle. Uh, Kane was dropping deeper. It wasn't working for many reasons. And essentially, we, we've got Lucas in a key position, essentially doing nothing. I mean, he, he achieved nothing in that game. Um, I like Lucas. I think he's he's been at the club already longer than I thought he would be. I thought he'd be gone a window or two ago. 
and he he's done he did really really well at the back end of last season and I liked him in the Champions League but he's he's not a starter in in the team we want to become I think Lucas is great once he's on the ball you know and he shows off his speed he shows off his ridiculous change of direction he shows off his ability to finish from all kinds of angles but he's not good at getting himself on the ball he needs to be fed it um and if he's playing in a congested box of 20 people he's not going to get the ball is he and like oh, you yeah. said the same goes for Son in all of those things you said, I would say that they apply to Son. Yeah, I completely agree. Both Son and Lucas are almost very kind of reactive players. They're players that will conjure something or just, just do something. But it's, it's normally something that they create for themselves. And against a team closing up space and not giving any kind of movement, they do just deny that. They do deny the space to Kane and somewhat a creator, kind of like a Lamella player. So when the two of them work against a team that sits deep, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't function properly. So to try and focus on some positives and to think how this might be fixed going forward, I I like to assume that this team selection was based purely on factors beyond Pochettino's control, i.e. fitness or the Ericsson situation. And, you know, he spent the summer signing players who do jobs that he thinks he needs in his side and we were without all of them for this game. So we, we weren't able to call upon Tongi. We weren't able to call upon Lo Celso. We didn't have Sessegnon. So he's kind of restricted to, like we said, last season's midfield, which was a bad midfield. Um, and things will get better once we get players fit. And, you know, if Ericsson stays, then brilliant. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Pochettino has forgotten like the fundamental principles of football that he's been instilling <laughs> in this team for several years. It's not like he's he suddenly doesn't believe that you need a playmaker against a low block. You know, it, it, this isn't uh, someone asked me, I can't remember who, but someone asked me like do, do you think that Pochettino sort of going into Mourinho phase, do you think that his ideas are becoming beginning to expire on the game and it's developing without him? It's like, well not really. This is still a low block, the same thing that we face sort of three out of every four games in the Premier league it's just the players that we have available at the moment that's it sure sure so let's uh briefly step away from the tactics and think about uh, how we got over that match uh simon says so it's simon underscore says uh, says 93 says what makes the pain go away uh bardi what did you do to get over this match i had a lot of beaver town beer which was probably unadvisable considering i was quite <laughs> emotional and everything else but that's how I got. That's how I got through Saturday night. Nathan, how about you? <laughs> I just sort of think more long term. I just I try not to focus on the individual games, and I try to think of the, you know, the full journey. Um, I don't know what, what I, I'm really into fitness at the moment. That's my distraction. I'm, I'm continuing to improve my running, catch up with body eventually. Maybe, probably not. Okay, um, and lose weight. I, I'm somewhat ashamed to say I went down the alcohol route too and uh, <laughs> had a, a bottle of white to myself. Um, and and also I um. So I've got an allotment. I don't talk about it as much as I probably should. And uh, we, so there's been a national shortage of cauliflowers. Uh, but me and my girlfriend have managed to grow like shitloads of cauliflower. <laughs> so uh, at the weekend, we made this this Mexican cauliflower recipe with um, oh, hell yeah, it was awesome. So you marinate it, you chop it, and then marinate it in like a chipotle sauce. And uh, yeah, it was it was incredible. Then I put like chili flakes and lime zest on it. Uh, and had it with sour cream, and it was it was excellent. So that's how when, that's how the pain went away for me. <laughs> when you said there was a, a national shortage of cauliflowers, I thought you were going to say that the government turned up at your allotment, and just <laughs> <laughs> impounded them, <laughs> impounded. They took your cauliflowers away, and said we need this for the country, and then just <laughs> left you there with nothing but an empty allotment. <laughs> 
we've we've got like we've got like fifteen. They wouldn't go that far, but we've we've done well. We've done well. Okay, back to the tactics. Uh, Dominic Sibley says, "What's happened to the press? We seem so lethargic and slow on the ball." Nathan, you've spoken about the press before and how we've kind of evolved. What what do you think is the reason for us not pressing at the moment? Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of criticism about our pressing over the last couple of games, and I, I know that you've joined in with that as well. But like, I, I'm not that worried. Like, part of the reason we have eighty percent, okay, yes, because we pass around in front of their first line of defence and and don't make anything back. But part of the reason um, that we had eighty percent is because we did press quite decently. I thought hmm. most of the time. Um, I'm not worried, and also it works around secretly as well as in you don't see us doing any pressing if we've got the ball all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about our pressing, and and uh, maybe there's also a, a small beginning of the season fitness thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about that element of our game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought we actually started the game off with some pretty decent pressing. I was I was thinking, oh hello, we've gone back to our old style. Um, but I think it's like a it's a situational thing. I think, like you say, eighty percent of the ball means you don't need to press so much plus personnel as we discussed and fitness um yep. so uh, garrett baker says incision pace guile deftness zip cohesion how do we get it all back Bardi, uh what's what's got to click to make us get back to what we once were i think we saw a little bit a little bit of that when lacelso came on because it was the first time when when he did the through ball to kane when kane got brought down in the second half of the var check that was probably the first kind of smart pass we'd played all game. So it's there. As Nathan said, if we get the playmakers on the pitch and the players who understand how to find the, how to, how to get the, how to get the ball into those situations, it's fine. It will come back. It's just a situ- it's just a case of getting those players on the pitch again. You've touched on the VAR situation there and I, I wasn't going to talk about it um, <laughs> because I feel like it's been done to death. But just, just briefly, Bardi, um, what, what were your feelings on that situation? It, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. Kind of like I how think it was. I think it was too. I, I don't know, man. Like the like the Man City one where Lamella pulled down Rodri. It was one of those where the the referee didn't feel that it was a penalty, and then it was almost like VAR didn't want to undermine the referee. And it it was kind of that situation again where the penalty would normally have been given. Mike, another referee other than Mike Dean, he didn't probably, see it. He said he didn't see it. Yeah, that's what Kane said. Kane said Mike Dean said he didn't see it clearly, wasn't sure, so left it to VAR, and then VAR said, we don't want to disagree with the ref. So there's a real yeah. communication issue there, isn't there? I, I think I think there's a problem here where VAR is, is is happy to take the lead when there's a handball or an offside where it's it's black or white. But I think at the moment it seems unwilling to overturn the referee or give a decision which, which goes against the referee. So I think there's got, it needs a little bit of fine-tuning there. I, I agree with you. I think that is the. I think that is why it wasn't given. Um, I'm interested to know whether they knew that Mike Dean didn't see it. But also, from my perspective, that was clear and obvious. Like that, he rugby tackled him in the knee. Basically, yeah. I mean, Lascelles was falling over, sure, but he made himself fall over in a different way to the way he would have naturally fallen over, so that he could take Kane down. And like that is the most cynical. I mean, that's that's a, that's a sending off as well as a penalty in my eyes. He hasn't tried to play the ball. He should he should be he should go for that. That's like a professional foul. Um, maybe, maybe I'm seeing this through lily white glasses. I don't know, but that's that was my take on it. I the picture. So, so go on, buddy. Go on. No, I, I, you like sending players off. That's that's <laughs> that's historic. We can go back through all the hours of recording, and you would have sent off half the players in the world. I think it was <laughs> it was clumsy. Yeah, but Kane knew it was coming. Kane 
let it come. And it was a penalty, but I can understand why it wasn't given. I don't think it was that clear. I thought the Sun one was clearer because it was a slide tackle that came through the legs, never got the ball, and I thought that was a penalty more than I thought Kane was. Interesting. Nate, what were you going to say? Uh, uh, I, I tweeted a picture of, of the um, the Kane what should have been penalty, um, and I didn't like pay much attention to the image itself. I just wanted to capture the moment to, to, to discuss it. And... Uh, I, Arsenal fans got hold of it and I got a billion quote tweets and I just muted <laughs> the tweet because some big Arsenal account quote tweeted it to complain about Kane's diving. And if you look at the picture, it, like it, it, it doesn't look good on Kane, but like it didn't even begin to occur to me the possibility that that could be viewed as a dive and not like a um, in wrestling a, a low single leg takedown. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, Kane, yeah, Kane is famed for exaggerating his fall. Sure. Um, and for cre- I won't deny that con- and for creating contact where there wasn't necessarily going to be contact before but this was not one of those occasions in my <laughs> opinion like the cells knows exactly what he's doing uh and he got the exact outcome he hoped for and that really annoys me it's i i, I he should, he's got to go for that anyway uh <laughs> more questions because there were loads of them so a quick one we had loads of questions on davinson sanchez so nicholas calvert uh kenneth who's call me kenneth and 55th 55th vin all asked after sanchez Nathan, are you worried about Sanchez? Is this a systemic issue? Um, it is purely a problem because we haven't got a viable midfield at the moment. What's going on? I'm a tiny bit worried. Um, but like as we've said before, he's young. He's clearly very talented. Um, and yeah, there are big systemic issues that are exposing him. And I think that once the team is in a better place, um, we will cover up some of his issues. And, and people will say, well, uh, you know, um, well, if he's got issues, you know, that's a, that's a big problem. He's not a great centre-back. But like all great players are supported or most great players who are deemed great currently are supported by the teammates and have their weaknesses shielded, right? Messi isn't great in the air, so Barca don't cross the ball up mm. above him all the time, you know? Um, yeah, th- there's Davinton's not having a great time. <laughs> I would like to see Vatonga play some football. Um but like I'm not, I'm not too worried. Like it'll, it'll go away. I'm sure. It would feel like a massive knock to Davinson's confidence to like bring Vertonghen back in for the Arsenal game. But at the same time, bring Vertonghen back in for the Arsenal game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
so next question is from uh, John, who is John and lots of numbers on Twitter. He says, we have players out or just backs like Son and Ali, and new signings still to be integrated in Dombele and the Celso, so the opportunity to improve is great. Roll forward 10 matches, what is our best first 11 to achieve that improvement? Um, so, Bardi, what, what do you think the main uh, changes will be from the 11 we saw against Newcastle for, in, in, in say, 10 matches time? What, what do you think the team will look like? Pardon me, before the season started, I thought we were four four three. I thought that was that was going to be us. But four, then three, after, three. yeah, <laughs> Did that, that's what I said. No, four, four, say? Three. four Yeah, well, maybe that's what we need. We need more more players. Um, I I think after seeing Endobele play so well in a two, I think four two three one is where we're heading. And I think with Delhi, Sun, and Lacelso Ericsson combination behind Kane, I, I think that's where we're going with that. How about you, Nathan? What, what do you... Uh, it's difficult to tell because with the lack of information we have at the moment, we're only three games in and we've tried different things in each of these games. We've had injuries for each of them. But what, what are you thinking he's leaning towards at the moment? It's hard to tell. And I think the biggest factor is Ericsson. I don't know whether he's staying or not. Um, I did tweet a few weeks ago sort of four possibilities, two if Ericsson stays and two if he goes. Um, and I think it, it, the main choice is is whether Ndombele and Lo Celso can play together as a two um, and then therefore a 4-2-3-1 or whether you have to have Winks behind them and therefore if Winks is behind them then you have to lose an attacker which is probably going to be Sun mm. to keep Delhi and Ericsson um, in the 11 basically. Interesting. Interesting. Okay so we're going to move on to Arsenal and we'll do that with a question specifically about this game from uh, Daniel Platt who is Voodoo Chopsticks. He says I'm an incurable optimist but do you think we're in a better position to deal with Arsenal away now because we got beat by Newcastle. <laughs> the team is angry and looking to prove something on the training pitch rather than us scoring late, two late goals and going on in the same way. Um, Bardi, do you feel like we, we've got more chance of beating Arsenal because we lost to Newcastle? I had I had beers with Daniel um, maybe a couple of years ago now in Sweden and he is an optimist and <laughs> when you were reading that out it did make me smile because... I, I like the fact that normally we're the favourites, and that's always a now that was a bad thing because we, we we're going to smash them. But now all of a sudden we're really worried, and and that, now that's a good thing. So I do like the way he's looking at it. Uh, I don't know. It's the North London derby, and I always feel ill when I think about these games because if we win, it's incredible, and if we lose, you know the the scope of feelings, the range of feelings is so big. So it's always bad, but. I watched how Liverpool played against them. And if Tottenham decide to start pressing, we can have a lot of joy there. So um, I'm in in a good place when it comes to this game. Sure. And I think, like we said, there's a lack of information about Spurs at the moment. There's also a lack of information about Arsenal. We don't quite know what they are this season as yet. They're bedding in some new players. Uh, They're dealing with some injuries themselves. They don't quite know their best team. Having said that, I do feel they look more cohesive than what I expected them to look at this point. Um, Liverpool destroyed them, sure, but they actually looked like a team at points in that game. And at stages of last season, they didn't look like a team. And I I do fear that they're going to improve uh, on last year. Um, Nathan, what have you made of Arsenal so far? I haven't watched a ton of them this season other than the Liverpool game, which is obviously not a great example of any team when they've played Liverpool. Um, but I, I've, I've rated Emery for quite a while. I do think that they will continue to improve and, and uh, I think Pepe looks really impressive. Um, yeah, it's 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 a matter of making sure that we get ourselves into a better place and keep ourselves above them because they are um, <laughs> they're going to put the pressure on us. Sure. I've watched I've watched every single one of their games. Some somehow every season I always almost watch as many Arsenal matches as I do Tottenham, and um, they they look a little bit better. But 
they're not they're not the greatest team. Louise is not a um, an improvement to their defense. Bellerin is is not there, so they they can be got at, they can be got at. It's a team between two te- It's a match between two teams who have proper weaknesses and issues to solve. And perhaps us playing each other now, before it all settles down and we if each team gets in the rhythm, I think perhaps that might just give us the edge in this game. I wonder, Nathan, is this one of those rare occasions where playing Sonna and Lucas together might be viable, given David Luiz's propensity to get absolutely outstripped on, on the counter? Uh, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, this is the, the funny thing of the pattern we've been having, right? We had the Aston Villa game. We said, well, Ericsson needs to start games. He started against City, a team who we, you know, who don't do any <laughs> defending because they have all of the ball and Ericsson looked terrible. And then we played Newcastle and we knew Ericsson was playing against the defensive side. And now again, we're going into a big game, right? You don't necessarily need the playmaker unless you think Arsenal are going to set up in a, a, a parked bus. It seems pretty unlikely. You don't necessarily desperately need your playmaker for that. That's one where you can, yeah, play your two speedsters, play Lamella, who's a more direct sort of interpretation of a creative player and, and, and go at them that way. Um, so, yeah, yes, <laughs> contrary to everything we said, you don't necessarily <laughs> need Ericsson for this one. This I... one you can go at them. On David Luiz particularly, right. <laughs> um but a few months ago, I was arguing with some friends about Harry Maguire, who they said is definitely a top 10 centre-back in the league. And I said, oh, I don't know, I think it's kind of close. They said, name 10 centre-backs who are better than him. And my 10th option was David Luiz. <laughs> and then he transferred to Arsenal. And now I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to stick with it. I've got to say that he's good. Uh, you got to double down. <laughs> should have. I think um, I think key to this would be Delhi because last time we played at the Emirates when we beat him 2-0... He was his movement and his understanding of how we play was was key. He got an assist and a beautiful goal. And rather than Luke, rather than Lucas, if Sun's ready, play and Delhi's ready. I'd play Delhi, a combination of Delhi, Sun, and Kane. I think that that would be the way I'd go for this. I, d- I definitely think Delhi being back will be pivotal. Um, Huge. I, I'm really excited to have him back in the team. Um, but having said that, like the Newcastle, the team we selected to play Newcastle would be fine for Arsenal, in my opinion, but wasn't fine for Newcastle. Yeah, I don't know. Makes sense. I don't know. I I, I don't know because Arsenal Arsenal will press us. I suppose Sissoko can kind of get himself yeah. out of trouble. I, I did want to talk about Sissoko for a second and the fact that the, we're now talking about him at right back for this game. Oh, God, yeah. And I, 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 think, <laughs> I think part of that reason is because when we were playing against Newcastle, they were sat so deep that the the skills and the qualities that Sissoko has, they didn't exist. It was impossible for him. But as soon as he went to right back, he he just had space to charge into and, and create stuff. And he almost created the equaliser. So I think that's kind of skewed people's view on him as being a possible right back. And that leads me to who do we play at right back now, Dyer or Sissoko? And I don't, that's a decision I don't want to make. That is an impossible choice. And I think we just have to pray that Walker Peters will recover in time. Um, and if not, then just play Aurier. Unless he's I would gone, play unless Sissoko he's gone before Aurier. Would you really? I think so. I think so. I I'm not saying that Sissoko is like a good or guaranteed good right back, but I I I'm that I've had enough of Sergio Aurier in my life. Yeah, no, I can I can I can empathise with that position. Um, I I just don't think Sissoko is positionally sound enough to play right back. He he needs too much freedom to do Sissoko things, and I think he wouldn't get that in in this game. Um, I'm I'm sl- I must say I'm slightly nervous of Pepe. Um, he actually made Van Dyke look less good than Van Dyke is at times. No, and... Wendy, Wendy, don't be one of these people. Don't believe this hype. 
He, he's pretty he, good. He's, he's, <laughs> he's decent. He didn't make Van Dyke look ordinary. He 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 ran. He got. He did a dribble. He successfully completed a dribble against Van Dyke, and now everybody's taking that that he's he's Pele. It it happens. Centre backs get dribbled up past, and eventually it was going to happen. And it just it just happened that the gods of football decided it was going to be Pepe. That's it. <laughs> He's 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 a fine player. He's got a bit of skill and everything else. But just because he was the one that broke the duck doesn't mean that he he's Jesus. You know. I I, I do agree. Um, and I think if we had a like settled solid defence, I'd feel fine about it. But him playing that kind of advanced forward position on the right means that he'll be directly up against the Rose Sanchez channel, which has been our weak point this season. And for that reason, I would be very tempted to play Ben Davis. I know he's not everyone's favourite player, but I, I just feel he's a more steady defender than um, than Danny Rose and, and might help Sanchez feel a bit more calm if he plays ahead of Vertonghen again. Um, I, believe, I believe in that opinion. But you, you would play Ben Davis ben as well? Ben Davis, yeah. And that takes a lot for you to say it, because you're like Rose's biggest cheerleader. Yeah, he has a he has a big good this season. I'm not ready to to sell him out, but I'm still I'm still Danny Rose for life. But he hasn't been good this year. Mm. Yeah, he needs to kind of come out of the team while he finds his form again. Um, yeah. He's he's not a terrible player by any stretch. He just has looked very ropey. Um, okay, we're going to finish on a great email we got from Joel Brooks uh, with the subject a worried Spurs fan. If you want to email us, you can do at podcast at the extra inch.co.uk. Uh, Joel writes uh, lots of things, but starts off with, I love Poch, but I'm a bit miffed with him. And I've broken his key points down to three questions. Uh, the first is, we don't blow teams away like City and Liverpool and teams have sussed us out. Is this a problem? Um, Nathan, are you concerned that we've, we've been sussed out as such? And also, you know, he, he makes a good point in his email, Joel. City and Liverpool consistently seem to blow teams away and we don't. Is that a problem? Um, teams aren't doing anything new against us that they, they haven't been doing all along. Like, Newcastle didn't do anything special or clever. They just set up the right way for that context. And, and as we were saying before, and as I said on Twitter, like, we are historically really good against teams that are set up that way. We just didn't have Ericsson on the pitch and we didn't really have the midfielders that we wanted. Um, but I'm sure that we will again. I don't think anyone sussed us out. I, th- I don't think that there's a, a, a systemic issue. And I'm confident that if teams do set us out, we can reinvent ourselves again because Poch is that good. Um, it just needs the full squad to be fit so that he can do that. It um, also took Liverpool um, like three years to be able to get themselves in a position where they can regularly blow away small sides. True, true. And lots of expenditure. So, mm. you know, we've only just started our expenditure comparatively. Uh, next question. What's Pochettino's game with the unsettled squad business? Bardi, what did you make of these post-match comments from Pochettino talking about the squad being the most unsettled he's known it since he arrived at Spurs? I said on the fighting cock yesterday, I, I kind of wish he would just go back to his normal responses to um, to questions and just and, and stop trying to be clever, stop trying to play games, just just give a normal bog standard response because I we don't know, I don't I don't understand what his game is. What, what what's the point in saying this? What's he trying to achieve other than cause more disharmony? He's better off just saying we it was unlucky, we played well, it wasn't our day. It felt like um, deflection to me. That's the only thing I can put it down to. Um, and I, I presume he must be referring to players like Eriksen, Wanyama, Aurier, yeah. who who are probably looking to, to move clubs. Um, and also the incident, whatever's happened with Vertonghen, where he's been left out of the team. He's not liked being left out of the team, so he's then Black been eye. left out of the squad. Black eye. So there were some rumours around that. that uh, 
There were rumours that he'd had a massive row with Poch. There were rumours he'd had a massive row with Kane. Um, you know, may- maybe he banged his head in the door. I don't know. It's probably something simple. Maybe his child punched him in the face. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Nathan, the last one is for you. Uh, is this the beginning of the end? Uh, Joel says, this all feels like the start of a goodbye. Alison Rudd at the time said that Poch is starting to sound like Mourinho. I don't disagree. Yeah, he's been saying some weird things. And, and maybe it's like you said a second ago, that sort of distraction technique that Mourinho is, is the absolute big fish at, at when his team loses. He comes out and says some crap and everyone talks about just the, the, the nonsense he's been spewing. I don't... Uh, if if is trying to do that, I don't think he's doing as good a job. Um, I think he's being more honest than he should to play that game. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to get reads on, on what he's... The other day, someone asked him about experimentation and then he went off on one about like how they're not scientists and you shouldn't compare yeah. football managers to chemists. And it's like, what are you talking... I know that there's a language barrier <laughs> issue there, but it's like, what are you talking about, mate? Um, I don't think this is the beginning of the end. I do think in the case of Mourinho, his tactical ideas are based on um, creating counterattack situations, even against sides who don't want to fall into that situation by manipulating the scoreline um, and re- relying on player talent in a bigger way than we do. Um, uh, and I, th- I think that Pochino's tactical ideas are still extremely valid and will be for several, several more years. I remember when we uh, podcasted with Jack Pitbrook, he told us that um, Pochettino has an ego and likes the sound of his own voice. And I feel that this is coming to the fore more and more now. So when we first got Pochettino, he would give these very bland, boring press conferences. And I was all about that. I loved it. He he didn't say anything. He was a company man. He towed the party line. He respected Levy. And I was here for that. I loved it. Over time, he started talking more openly. He's been sort of slightly critical of the club's um, methods, particularly in regards to transfers. And he's kind of called on Levy to do things differently within the last six months. And I think that is simply a case of him having grown in his role. Uh, he's achieved something now. So he's got to the Champions League final. He does feel like he, he belongs um, in the talk of the best managers in the league. He's He's got an ego. He fancies himself a bit. He feels that he's got something to say and something to offer. And so we're getting more from him. And I don't think it's anything more than that. I'm not worried about um, him losing the plot or going full Jose. I just think... He's always had a bit of an ego. It's coming to the surface more now. We just have to accept that he can be a bit like this. He's still a wonderful manager. Um, I've no doubt about that. I still think he's probably a very good man manager as well. And I, I think this is a blip. I, I think we'll be absolutely fine. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed with the start of the season because I thought we would. I thought we'd finish second this year. And although we're only three games in, I'm starting to sort of revise that opinion. And I think Liverpool look great, and we don't look as good as them. Um, but I still think we'll finish third. Is that is that a positive note to end on? I think so. I think so. I think that he has every reason to have an ego. By the way, like he really is one of the best managers in the world. And and aside from anything else, you should have a realistic understanding of your own skills. And if realistically you are one of the best managers in the world that's gonna affect how you talk about yourself you know? and th- and that's not necessarily a bad thing I, I sort of made it no. sound like I was being critical but actually when you are a pa- in a powerful position having a sense of your own importance can be a good thing if it's presented in the right way um he's got to get that squad settled and got to get them on side but when he does we've got we've got some good players and we'll be fine um good chat lads good chat <laughs> are we feeling broadly positive about the arsenal match if um anything can fix football beating arsenal can <laughs> that's true let's do them do them cool all right until next time you've been listening to the extra inch 
Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.